Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, this is Matthew Flynn and you're listening to In Anything at the Minute. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden. Welcome to episode four of In Anything at the Minute the Honest Actors Podcast. This is the next in the series of interviews I've been conducting with other actors. But before I let you hear that, I just want to say thank you to the people that have submitted blog articles to me over the past fortnight. I've had about half a dozen, uh, which is half a dozen more than I had in the previous fortnight. And that's where I'm hoping the project's going to go next. So if you have an idea for a blog article that you'd like to write, please send it to me at honestactors at gmail.com. Anything that fits in with the themes of the project. If you're not sure, go and have a look at the blogs that are already on there. There's at least a dozen at www.inanything.com forward slash blog. And when you have an idea of your own, just drop it to me at honestactors at gmail.com. Here it is. Episode four, Matthew Flynn. How did you get into acting? How did you originally come to be an actor? Um, well... Originally, it, as, as a teenager, I joined a, a youth theatre. I didn't particularly do very well at school, didn't kind of gel particularly well at the school that I was at at the time. I'd moved from Birmingham, where I grew up, down to the south coast, and sort of in my early teens, and came down to the south coast with a very thick, brummy accent, and kind of got bullied a little for that. And... And then it came to that time when they start mentioning careers now, which seems very early, like 14 or 15, start saying, what do you want to do with your life? And at that time as well, a friend of mine had joined a, a youth theatre near where we lived, and he'd been going for a few weeks, and he said, you should come along, because it's quite good fun. And I went, and it was a revelation, in as much as suddenly there was a group of people in the room who were all like me, really. Uh, and I, this was from probably about 14 up to 16 when I had to make a choice whether to stay at the school to do A-levels or leave. And, and I think it was just an empowering thing because I made the decision. I went, no, I'm not. most of my mates at school were going to stay on and go to the sixth form and then probably go on and be accountants. And at this point, I thought, what am I going to do? You know, I was under pressure and my parents were starting to sort of squawk a little bit about what you're going to do. And then I just sort of had one of those almost like road to Damascus-like experiences where I just went, oh, fuck it, why not I'd be an actor? Um, my parents inevitably freaked out and were like, what the hell are you thinking of <laughs> kind of, you know, do something proper? If you are going to pursue something, then you may as well pursue something that you love doing. And, you know, at 
you know what the ramifications are potentially in as much as it's you know it's difficult and it's um insecure and all that but when you're 15 16 it's not the things that you're thinking about really no, no. nor should you be uh, and i was lucky in as much as uh, there was an A-level college not far from me, which did a sort of two-year drama A-level course. But anyway, I got in there, and I, that was the best decision I've ever taken, I think, because it was just a brilliant course. It was run by this amazing guy who's sadly de- dead now, called Terry Clark, who um, he's just one of those inspirational teachers that everybody has, or pe- if people are lucky enough to have. It's a recurring theme. Yeah. In a lot of the well, that's, well, I'm sure it is, because you need someone like that. And he had an assistant called Charles, who is, was equally brilliant. They were sort of good cop, bad cop. Terry was, was not your archetypal drama teacher at all. He was a massive ex-rugby player, looked like he'd been in the military. If you were mucking around, he'd get you by the ear and like go, Flynn, and drag you across the room, you know. Not at all what you'd imagine a sort of drama, you know, yeah. your sort of stereotypical drama teacher to be. But he was just inspirational. He was so much fun and he was brilliant at what he taught. And again, it was just a group of like-minded people. And then this sort of in the second year, the um, people started auditioning for drama schools. And, and um, I did like everyone else and you know, applied to maybe eight or nine and, and got into the drama centre, which is the one I went to um, first time round. So... At 18, I came to London and started at drama school. So I didn't sort of have any fallow period, as it were, where I could sit and go, maybe you should rethink what you're doing. It all happened quite quickly for me. What I found then and now subsequently think is that I was probably a little too young at that time to have gone. Because when you're in a year of people who have maybe been to university and are 22, 23, it's a big age difference when you're 18. huge. You know, because they've just had, I mean, especially Drama Centre as it was then, which is all about emotional recall and about testing your emotions. I mean, I just didn't have any, you know. You come out of Drama Centre, I'm going to kind of, I'll probably regret this, but I'm going to skip over the drama school experience for a second um, and ask, when you came out of drama school, did you uh, feel like, um, that's me, I'm ready now, it's good to go? Drama Centre at the time, it certainly it didn't teach you um, for a world for the world that existed, you know. Because you, I mean, maybe most drama schools are like that because you're in a bubble and you're always working because you're there for three years. You're doing a play every term. You get twelve weeks to rehearse the play, or we did at Drama Centre, which obviously you almost never get. Um, you can do all your exercises and all the wank that comes with it, which there's no way you can get away with when you're outside. You know, you bring you do your work at home if you want. Don't bring, you know, I mean, as, as you know, people we've worked with, you know, you come in and you, you hit your marks and you step up to the plate. And, but that's the lesson that you, that you can only learn once you're out in the business. I can remember in our final week of when they handed out the diplomas at Drama Centre and the principal, who was a guy called Christopher Fettis, went round our, our year, of which... The, We'd started with 33 kids and we'd ended up with 19. So we'd had lost half the year. So we were all like, this is, we've, if we had achieved nothing else, we have got to the end of three years at this place. Yeah. And he sort of went round the year and sort of said what he, you know, thought of us and how he thought we, you know, we'd done. And I remember him getting to me and going, you know, Matthew. And he said, you'll make a very fine character actor when you're sort of in your late 30s, 40s. And I was like, what? I'm 21, so I'm thinking that is 
my life again before you're saying that I'm ever going to make anything. And I was like, thanks a lot. I don't know what that, you know, I mean, nice to think that you think I'll make a good character actor at some point, but when you says in your 40s, I'm 21, I can think, thought, Christ almighty. I mean, ironically, he probably wasn't wrong. Um, but at the time, you know, because you just come out and you've, you've got through drama school and you're like, here we go, this is it. And now my career starts, you know, and uh, it, it didn't really, <laughs> you know. Um, so we don't really talk about uh, speci like specific jobs so much. And that was a conscious choice on my part because I felt like people get to talk about their jobs a lot. Mm. Um, and But one of the things I do to kind of counter that instinct of mine is to say, if looking back from everything from graduation or in fact before graduation, um, your entire career from 14, let's say, and if you could pick one thing that you could say, listen, I'm, I'm really proud of that. I could stand over that to this day. From a, from a personal point of view, I mean, I've been involved in projects where it has been about the kind of the ensemble, as it were, you know. Um, and there was a lot of shows in those early shows that I did with Propeller, sort of from their formation, which where I found that I loved doing them, you know. I would still be doing them, apart from the fact that it's on the road so long and having kids and whatever now, that makes it almost impossible. I can't be away for 10 months of the year, you know. Mm -hmm. But then actually, in light of that, having kids now has sort of informed me as an actor in, in ways that I would never have thought of prior to having kids because you just have something else going on in your life which makes you not think about being an actor all the time. But, I mean, certainly in the last sort of five years, actually, funnily enough, it's more recent stuff that I've uh, been proud of. Um, I did play Macduff at the Everyman in Liverpool. It was the last show at the Everyman before they closed the old one and rebuilt it. Um, and it was something about playing that part, which is a great part, and having kids. And everything sort of clicked into place because I, I've said this before actually in, in, to people and in meetings, you know, because I have been asked that question, funnily enough, by other people, is that, you know, I sort of imagine if you've got two lines travelling through your life, which is your, your life as it is, and all the, you know, just taking the kids to school or, you know, and your acting life and the parts you play. For, for me, it felt like they crossed at the moment that I got offered that role. Has having kids made the difficult part of the industry, difficult parts of the industry, easier to take? You say about being outside, taking something that takes you outside of yourself and not thinking about being an actor all the time. Does it make it easier or does it make it more difficult, those kind I of think of, Personally, I think it makes it more difficult because because, you know, you're an actor, but also you're, you know, a dad and you've got to provide or hopefully provide. And it's, it's difficult when you're not working, you know. And, you know, I've had years, I've had good years and bad years, as, as most people have. But because most of the work that I do or have done has been theatre, and as you know, you know, financially it's not particularly rewarding. So money is always an issue. And it gets boring sometimes, you know. I've had a couple of years where I've done a few adverts and, and had, like, I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams. But, you know, when you've got kids and you've got um, those responsibilities and you've got to pay the rent, you've got to do this, and, you know, and they, they need uniforms and what have you. And 
it's tough. It's tough because, you know, the acting is... It's, and acting is ultimately quite a selfish thing, and you can't be selfish. And I am selfish, and I know I'm selfish, because I want to pursue what I want to do as an actor, which doesn't always marry with what I should be doing as a, as a partner and as a, as a father, because, you know, as I said, with Propeller, it takes you away for, you know, 10 months. I mean, when my first was born, I, was, I missed birthdays and all sorts, because I wasn't in the country. And it's like, eventually you've got to go, well, hang on a minute, what's more important? And now, I mean, I'm sure plenty of actors who have, you know, have, have similar experiences. Because, you know, you want to work, you want to be doing what you want to do, but similarly you need to be around at the same time. And those, this is not a profession that lends itself well to that. Similarly, it's not a profession that lends itself well, as we know, to financial security. And so then you're going, okay, I mean, I've, we've, we managed to scrape by, you know, the kids hopefully aren't emaciated and go to school with clothes on, you know. But when? You know, yeah. Double win. <laughs> so everyone's happy. But it's, it's tough, you know, because, you know, you, you see other parents who obviously are, are you know, got in, in jobs where they're working in, as a lawyer in the city or something, and that is not an issue, and it never is an issue, and it's frustrating. I feel the pressure of being unemployed much more now just because it's, it's not just about not providing, but you kind of, it makes you slightly feel more of a, f- a failure, for want of a better word, because you think, I need to be busy, I need to be working, because I need to have money coming in. An agent once told me, this has been on a few of the, of the uh, things I've gone out so far, and it's always, it always comes back to me at various times, but this agent once said to me, the only time an actor's ever happy, in the five minutes after they get the call, mm. and then from minute number six, the panic starts. What do you recognize yourself in that? And if you do, what is your panic? What things do you panic about when you get a job? Um, I, well, I think I do recognize that, yeah, because I think, I think you know, you, one lives on your nerves, it's part and parcel of the business. You know, you're nervous, uh, um, panicking when you're not working about whether you'll ever work again. I mean, I, I am, you know the day I finish a job is like, that's it, I will never work again. And I sort of take the piss out of myself a bit. But it is said half-heartedly, but also with some sincerity, because you think... You never know. You never know. And so if you have a job, if you get a job, yeah, there's initially, obviously, elation uh, that, yes, I'm going to be working, I'm going to be hopefully doing something that is, you know... Then it, then it can be, if it's a small role... Am I going to be bored? Am I going to am I going to be frustrated after if it's a quite a long gig? I mean, I've had that. Oh God, yeah, but you know, people are going to come and see it. Can I? Will my agent come and see it? Will they bring anyone? Because I'm not really doing much. I mean, Christ, I'm not even in Act Three and Four. You know, I don't, so there's that. Or if you've got a large role, will I be good enough? Am I going to Am I going to be good? Am I going to be shit? Is you know, same thing applies. Agent brings someone. Are they going to be bored out of their mind? I mean, it's ridiculous because it's like, you know, my, my missus is the absolute opposite of me. She's a very positive individual. She's not an actress. But she does go, what is your problem? You're never happy. You know, you're like happy if you've got a job, happy not if you've not got a job. You know, what is going on? And I think, well, that's true. And I think I'm not, I don't know how what other actors you've talked to have, have said, but um, I think I can always find a reason not to be happy about something. I think, you know, I have done, I've, I've got jobs and been happy to get them and then started them and they've been a joy from beginning to end, that's true. But I think there is, you know, there is a, 
the, the, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, coming to do this with you and thinking about, you know, the sort of psychological aspects of what it is to be an actor and what is it that makes you... Because, you know, you meet lots of people who aren't and say, I do not know how you can do it. I do not know how you can get up on stage in front of X amount of people. And, I'm, and, and I never really think about that because it's something I do, you know, and as you do and plenty of us do. And it's, you know, we feel nerves. I feel nerves for maybe the first few nights or if something goes slightly wrong and you're like, whoa... But, you know, I stood on, like, doing War Horse in front of 1,200 people every night, pretty much, and not thought about it once. And I think the problem is if you do start thinking about it, that is the rocky road, because suddenly you start questioning everything. I mean, that's how, you know, the stage fright and all that. Because you suddenly start thinking, this is a bizarre thing to do, you know. Don't go down that road. I'm putting, putting on someone else's clothes and pretending to be someone else, and I'm doing it in public in front of... 1200 strangers you're paying money yeah, for me not to money. be shit exactly and so if you start questioning it I mean I have I had a, a bout of stage fright once only for about a week and it was and I every so slight occasionally now get a little like a little tiny door in my head opens and I can see back to that week and it's terrifying and it was it was the most bizarre thing how it happened because it wasn't sort of Nothing had happened in my life. I'd just been doing a play for a long time. And it was in town. And one night, I, I forgot a line. I just forgot the line, you know. It was in a Shakespeare, and it was like, oh. And sort of covered for it. And, you know, the rest of the cast supportingly took the piss out of me for doing it. And then the next night came, and it got to that point again. And the same thing happened. But I kind of stumbled quite obviously over it. And then everyone on stage is looking at me going, what the fuck's going on with you? And bizarrely, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. I started questioning everything. Do I know what's going on? Do I know what's coming next? By the end of the week, I was stumbling over all sorts of lines. And I was in, I was in scenes. This is like a horror film. I know, but I think, I mean, I, you know, I thought I've never experienced stage fright. But I thought, well, this was my stage fright, whether it's similar to some of the classic ones you hear about, like Olivier or people like that, and what they felt. I don't know. But for me... I can remember, I would be on stage, I was sweating profusely. <laughs> and I would be, I was doing Midsummer Night's Dream, and I'd done it 300 odd times. It's not as if I didn't know the play. But I would be in one scene, and I couldn't remember what was coming next. I didn't know whether I had to leave the stage, come on the stage. Eventually, thankfully, the rest of the cast went, listen, Matt is actually really struggling. And, and it just, basically, just by getting through, you know, one night I got through the play unharmed, as it were, and it gradually seeped away. But then I, I still occasionally, and it's almost like I almost will myself. I sometimes, and it's, I think it's, for me, it comes with familiarity where you catch yourself on stage one night and in your head you're thinking, shall I have a curry tonight or shall I have a, shall I have a pizza? Autopilot. And you're, yeah, and you're, uh, your mouth is opening and closing and the words are coming out and your arms are moving in the right direction and you're stepping but your head is totally elsewhere because you've done it so many times that you think you're on it and then you get tripped up and suddenly, well, for me anyway, it was like a house of cards. Suddenly it all fell down. It took me quite a long time to get over that and I've, I found it a couple of times with Warhorse. sometimes I would, I'd be looking at the, the actor opposite me and I, would, and I would go, what's next, what's next? And the word, my mouth would, muscle memory would form the words and I'd be like, don't go it's there terrifying. again. And it is terrifying. But So there is this brittleness about us, I think, as actors. A quick interruption from me here to ask once again, if you're enjoying the podcast and if you're in a good mood, well, actually, only if you're in a good mood, can you please leave a rating and a review on iTunes? 
If you've tried that and you've had difficulty, and I know a lot of people have, there's an explainer video on the front page of the website, www.inanything.com, which gives full details of how that's done on both a desktop or laptop and on a smartphone. So go to inanything.com and press play. To everybody that has done that, a huge thank you. We've had about 50 ratings so far, which might seem like a tiny number. It's more than the Spotlight podcast and the National Theatre podcast combined. And consequently, it means that we've made it on to the iTunes new and noteworthy section, which obviously has a massive impact on listener figures. So, to get this out to more people, so that the kind of things people have been saying on Twitter to me that they're getting out of it, the kind of positive impact that I think it's been having on people uh, as they listen, to get that out to more people, uh, one of the best ways of doing it is for you to leave a rating and a review. So if you have done it, thank you. If you haven't, please, you know, Give us the 15 seconds that it takes. Give us a five-star rating and leave a nice review. It would be very much appreciated. That's all I'm going to say about that uh, for now, for episode four anyway. Here it is, uh, a little bit more with Matthew Flynn. Is there a psychological impact of doing what we do repeatedly? What it, what changes within us, do you think, for being actors? Um... I think there is a psychological impact, I think, because I think it's feast or famine, isn't it, a lot of the time? You know, you're either elated because you're working or you've offered a job or you're, you know, down in the dumps because you haven't. Well, that's the way I am. I, I mean, not maybe other people can have a sort of a more of a, a sort of even keel. I don't know. I mean, you know, because, you know, disappointment is always around the corner. You know, you desperately want to get a job, you don't get it, and you sort of... You soak it up, you have to, because otherwise, you know, I've been acting for 24 years, you know. So if I was a more positive individual, I'd go, you've been acting for 24 years. Not all the time, and it took a while to get going. But after 24 years of leaving drama school, you're st- you could still call yourself an actor. You are still, you know, a legitimate stand-up. If someone asks you what you do, you can say with full confidence, I am an actor. Um, which is a good thing, but with that comes the, still the, the worry and the fear and the, and I don't think it gets any, it certainly hasn't got any better for me, it hasn't got any easier, even in as much as um, becoming older and you know, one hopes more mature, although other people would question that. Um, because as I said earlier, when I was talking about you know, having kids and whatever, you have other pressures, your life pressures start encroaching upon your acting. When you're single and in your early 20s and you you get a job and you can do what you want and you spend all your money and it doesn't really matter. You just have to make rent for one room in a shared house. Yeah, exactly. Or you can go back and stay at your mom's or something like that. But when suddenly you can't do that anymore, I feel that those pressure's on top of me. Plus, there is that whole element of just, you know, wanting to keep working, wanting to be relevant, wanting to... um, I mean, what, what I find, you know, as you get older... And, you, you know, there's a whole new raft of A, actors who are coming in below you, but also directors and casting directors. Suddenly, you're, you, know, it's, you know, it's about selling yourself all the time. And that can be quite hard and quite distressing, you know, up to, you know for, for want of a better word, because you're having to constantly think, what's new, what's happening, what, what can I... And there is the whole jealousy element, you know, of other people working and you not working. Um, Did you, is, I mean, does that still? I think so. I mean, I'd be lying to say, I you know, it's like, fucking bastards, you know. But then, 
It's that, it, is it born out of thinking that of superiority, of like I'm better than them? Or is it just born out of a sense of injustice, of, ba of balance, unbalance? I should get a job, they can have a job. Then I yeah, get a job, like then they get a job. I'd like to think it's that. I mean, I, you know, there's always, you know, there's always the actor you think, how the hell do they keep working? It is beyond... But there is, I mean, it's funny, because it is when, it's when you get together in a little coven of actors, and there's one actor you go, and, and you're all going, God, yes, I know, how does he do it? I mean, you know, which is always, A, quite therapeutic, but also just horrendous as you tear strips of some poor yeah. actor. But, you know, there's, it's, I think psychologically it does, and I think I... You know, you talk, you've talked in your blog and that about the sort of depression and, and that and what comes with that. I think I do get depressed, but I'm, I'm not someone who is sort of, I would like to think psychologically, it's something I lean towards. I just think I find it hard, hard to stay upbeat about things. You know, when, you know, it doesn't take long to, to, you know, to go in for quite a few meetings and not get any of them to start going, oh, there's a reason for this. And I've, I've just recently changed agent as well. So I had, you know, that initial raft of meetings, which was fantastic, going up for all sorts of stuff. I didn't get one of them. So I had the, you know, the, when you talk about questioning and that, you know, one, it's like, I'm unemployable. Two, I've just got a new agent who now thinks I'm useless. Yep. And that they've backed a complete loser, which I know isn't the case. But I, in those moments when I, I get up, I take the kids to school, I go back home and I think, I have nothing to do today and I'm staring at four walls and I do start questioning. I start going through in my head and I know I'm my own worst enemy at this. I start going, why didn't you get that role? What, what do you do then those days when you come back in from leaving the kids to school and you have nothing to do? Do you have hobbies? I cycle quite a lot. I mean, I find that is a good thing because it's, A, hopefully keeping me relatively healthy. Um, so that is something I do. I mean, I, you know, I'm not adverse to looking for other work. I mean, I just have a situation where my partner works a lot, sort of at very odd hours. So it's difficult because of kids, of picking kids up from school and dropping kids off. I don't have, I've been fortunate that I haven't had to have another job that I've done for quite a few years. But again, I was thinking about this on the way in. I think, I think there's a sort of a weird, you've got actors who work all the time. You never have to think about that. You've maybe got actors who don't work very much at all, who have a, maybe a, a regular job they do, you know, which they can maybe drop out of. And then I think you've probably got actors like me who kind of work, not most of the time, but, uh, you know, enough. Enough. But they don't Just work... Just enough. They don't not work enough to have had anything else they can do. So that when they start looking, you know, when they stop working, like I'm not working at the moment, and think... I'm going to have to look for some work. And, then they, and they haven't got any connections with anything else. I mean, I was looking online the other day at just like driving jobs, for instance. You know, so I can do that. I can drive. You know, it's not hard. Just, and they, all of them go, send us your CV of your work experience in drive. Like, well, I don't have a CV. All my CVs, I can't tell them what I was doing at the Globe last year. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to, and probably they wouldn't employ me anyway. But, you know, I thought there's a, there's a weird sort of middle ground where you, you work enough to keep just about keep the wall from the door but you're never quite sure where your next job might come from and if you have to go right I'm going to have to look into alternative employment but you have no experience in it at all because you just haven't done anything you know what's the longest you've you've gone to memory since graduating without an acting job um I think when I first left I mean I didn't really work at all for 
I mean, my career, for want of a better word, didn't really start until probably two years after I left. I left in 1991, and the first, well, actually, probably even later, I mean, I did a few fringe shows and uh, a few bits and pieces, but which I know is work, but I mean, I think I could quite easily have spent a year doing nothing at all. I mean, signing on or doing other jobs. And then my first job that I would consider to be the first real job, I did a, a Julius Caesar at the Royal Exchange, which was in 19, early 94, and I left in 91. So I had three years of kind of not doing a lot at all. Um, and you didn't think about giving up. I mean, a lot, one of the things, as somebody who hasn't trained, I'm always amazed at the amount of actors that give up within two years of Well, I'm of glad I didn't, training. because it was actually, I was, maybe as my principal was right, it was, I was a slow starter. Um, and then, as with always, luck plays a part, you know, you happen to bump into someone or you make a phone call, which comes good. Is it, is it a career, do you think? Because one, one of the things was interesting, I chatted to Tom Gibbon Hill and he, he, um, he kind of mentioned uh, that idea of it's not being a, a career, it's a series of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chatted to John Rogan earlier today, he's in his late 60s, and I said to him, you know, if you spent 48 years working at top level in any other industry, you'd have retired 10 years ago mm. as a director of a company, and here you are at 68, happily still working. Mm. Um, I mean, say, we we'll go back to the playground, um, your kid's playground, and looking at the other parents, the bankers, or whoever, uh, do you um, make comparisons between their career trajectories and your own? Like, do you ever feel frustrated by the fact that acting doesn't seem to have that sense of, you know, you do 14 months in mm. a very successful West End show, you come out, and probably by your own admissions, for a while at least, internally, you feel like just another unemployed actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you, uh, is that something you've ever kind of been aware of or, you know, you've given thought to? I don't think I've given it thought. I mean, it's funny because the word career and, you know, I think a career is something, you know, going back to when I was at school and people saying, you know, careers advice. Career is something that you start off on. I think if you look back as an actor, you, you kind of look back on a career rather than start off on it because you just don't know. I mean, when you leave drama school or wherever, you, however, whatever day, what, whatever day one is of you, I am an actor. To go, I am now, my career is acting would suggest that you will always be working as an actor. And let's face it, that isn't necessarily going to happen. Whereas if you say, I really want to be a chartered surveyor, you can probably, if you've got the, the wit about you, you can probably be, have a career as a chartered surveyor and you can stay say from day one, this is my tra- There's an element trajectory. of control, yeah. Yeah, whereas with acting, there is no element of control. So I can look back now and say, yeah, I've had a career and, you know, it could be all over as of today. <laughs> you know, my career could be ended today, you know. You know, acting career, the, you know, those words go together, don't they? But I think it's much more insecure and it's much more out of your hands. There are too many other factors involved in order for, it to, for you to say, I am going to pursue a career as an actor. You can pursue it, whether you have it or not. Is, I think it's two different things. What's the best thing about being an actor? Why are you still doing it? Because at its best, like I talked about earlier, you know, at its best, it's everything I ever wanted to do from the point where I was in control in my head of what I wanted to do. Um, there's not that many people, I think, 
who can say that they, they do something that they truly love doing. To, to be able to do something like we do, where you're you know, telling a story, and, and it's a simplistic thing, it's, it's not something complicated, you know, and you can have a connection with someone, that's a, for me, that's a brilliant thing. What's the worst? Just the thought that you may never experience that again, what I just explained, you know, maybe you won't, maybe that was your last time, and that all the things you've learned and all the things that you gather with you as you go, and, uh, and I certainly think I've done that as I've gone, may not be put to good use again, because not th through no fault of your own, you just can't have a, an outlet in order to express them because, you know, someone won't give you that gig to do it. So enforced retirement, let's call it aside. Enforced retirement, yeah. Have you ever considered uh, taking control yourself in the manner of quitting? Have you ever considered giving up? No. I've ne I mean, I've, I've, it's, it's a thought that's gone through my head, but not one I've pursued for too long. Um, because I just, I, I, I do struggle to think what else I could do, you know. I've been lucky enough that I've had those, you know, thoughts for a while and then I've got a job and they just are erased from my mind yeah. and they won't come back even for another few months after that job finishes. Thankfully, I've had those sort of windscreen wipers quite often that have just washed that away. Um, if you could uh, go back to that younger Matt, uh, the day that you were told, for example, um, that you would be great when you got to your late 30s, early 40s and make a good character actor. Mm. Um, if you could pull him to the side before or after that little uh, nugget of wisdom, what other wisdom or advice might you add? Um, hmm. I think that it's not dissimilar to what his advice was in the sense of the, the, just the, the longevity of it as, as a job in, in as much as don't wish for everything now because for me certainly it took a lot longer for that to occur and there's nothing you know there's there's a lot to be said for being the tortoise and not the hare because I think in my experience that has paid dividends don't feel that you know theater is something which you would rather avoid over a, a couple of episodes of some telly job I'd rather do theater every time because I think for me, it's, it's meant I've kept working, you know, and it's a very individual thing, you know. Because, I mean, I talk to actors who are, you know, older than I, you know, in their 50s, 60s, and they all have the same insecurities, and, you know, most of them, and they all still go through it. And you're like, really? Does it never end? And I think, well, I should know that. I've been doing it for 20 years. If it hasn't ended yet, there's no reason why I'm going to hit 50 and suddenly everything's going to be hunky-dory, you know. So we're all in the same boat, most of us. There's that top half percent who are flying and, and there's a lot of people who are doing nothing. And there's that, you know, so I think it's true. You've got to, there is a certain grinding inevitability that you've got to keep going. So you said 20 years. Have you noticed big changes in those 20 years? Have things outside of yourself, I mean, in the industry? Nowadays, you get so little time to prepare for anything because in the day when you were posted a script, so you would take two or three days to arrive, and if you'd already got a copy of the play, you know, if it's a play, you could read it. Yes, now it's like, you know, we're emailing you over eight sides tonight. Oh, it's 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. You're like, what? And oh, can you learn it? And it's, you know, but there was a bit more, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's rose-tinted spectacles, but there was a bit more time to prepare things. There was a bit more time, certainly in the world of TV and film, you weren't just expected, you know, we're going to email them through 
and it's tomorrow, you know, that last minute thing. Because, you know, it's no, you can't complain about it, but, you know, if I'm in the house at six o'clock, there's three kids running around who want f- to need to be fed and put to bed and that. Sitting down and going, everyone shut up, dad needs to learn these eight sides for tomorrow. They don't give a toss about that. And, you know, it becomes an exercise in learning lines and not an exercise in, in playing the part. Of course. But I can shout that from the hilltops. It doesn't matter because that's the way it is. I mean, so there are, there are, there are, there are benefits and there are negatives to it because you can promote yourself. You can be on IMDb and constantly watch to see whether your rankings are going up and down, which I just think, what the fuck? I mean, I don't really care about that. You know, I mean, <laughs> who cares? But people do. I mean, I, I heard, you know, people say, oh, you know, you know if you're, you're, is your, has your rank gone up? I'm like, what? What is this, my rank on IMDb? It's like, Has it gone up? I don't know, I haven't checked. I have no idea. I didn't even know I had a rank. I'm pleased if I've got a rank at all, you know. And finally, are you in anything at the minute? No! <laughs> oh, God. Absolutely, massively not. And that's it for episode four. Huge thanks, as always, to the interviewee on this occasion, Matthew Flynn. Uh, it would be nothing, this podcast, without the people who uh, so graciously give up their time and their honesty uh, to make it happen. So thanks on this occasion to Matt. If you're lost for what to do between now and episode five, don't forget there are already three other interviews online with uh, Denise Goff, Tom Goodman-Hill and Sinead Matthews. Go listen to them now or queue them up for the next time you're on your way out of a horrible audition. There are also loads of blogs on the site www.inanything.com. Don't forget as well, like I said at the start, that I'm looking for more guest articles. So if you have an idea, please submit it to me, honestactors at gmail.com. Also go on social media. We're on Twitter at honestactors and on facebook.com forward slash honestactors. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody and anybody about the podcast. It makes a huge difference and helps us get the numbers up. And finally, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Five stars and nice thoughts, please just to get me through the next fortnight. Anyway, until episode five, that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Uh, The name of the podcast is In Anything at the Minute. In Anything at the Moment. Minute. In Anything at the Minute. Yeah. I don't know why that is. People go moment and I wonder, is it more English to say moment than Irish to say minute? Anything at the minute? I don't know really, actually. In Anything at the Minute. In anything at the minute? In anything at the moment? I, I don't know whether that's just what how you. No, I don't think that's an Irish thing necessarily.